0: Hey there! Welcome to ATL and 29, a Peach Tree Hoops podcast, where we look at the NBA from the starting point of Atlanta. My name is Kevin Chenard. I'm coming from you. I'm coming to you live from TD Garden in Boston after the Hawks 129-120 loss to the Boston Celtics. Uh, I'm kind of in the bowels of the arena, uh, so I can't promise you <laughs> the greatest of audio quality today. But please bear with me. Today was quite a roller coaster ride for the Celtics and the Hawks. The Hawks at one time were down by 25 midway through the second half, and improbably came back to tie it with a 34-9 run, uh, initially ignited by the bench, but carried over by the starters when they returned to the game. And after the Hawks came back to tie it, it was the Marcus Smart show. Uh, Smart, to me, is incredibly frustrating because there were at least two times in this game where he flopped all over the court like a beached whale that landed on Cape Cod. But, uh, you know, he's an incredible defender. Uh, you got to give him credit for that. And it was his defense at the end of the game was the deciding factor. Uh, Lloyd Pierce had high praise for Marcus Smart after the game. I think the comments from Pierce are doubly interesting, uh, given what he said to ATL and 29 about a week ago about, you know, having a defensive mindset and wanting a defensive player who can you know, really put a stamp on a game. Uh, you know, he echoes those sentiments almost exactly here when talking about Marcus Smart. I so love you Marcus can't, Smart. You can't really <laughs> yeah, put a no number on
1: I love Marcus Smart. You know, there are the two guys in our league that you consider those type of players. They're just tough. Uh, you put him on five man he, he, a five-man, and the five-man does not want to post up because of how much of a fight that Marcus Smart is going to put up. You put him on a perimeter guy, and he's just going to hound the basketball. He comes up with big rebounds. He comes up with big stops, big steals, uh, not afraid to get hit. He mm-hmm. gets hit by John early in the right, game. That's just who he is. And, you know, for me, he's the, he's the example of what a playoff player looks like. The guys that are willing to stick their nose in the battle,
0: doesn't matter what the matchup is, he always wants to come out on top. For the game, Marcus Smart finished with 16 points on 5-9 shooting. He made two of six threes, nine assists, tying Kyrie Irving for the Celtics team high, and five steals, a couple of them late as he really clamped down and helped the Celtics pull out with a win. Uh, You know, some interesting stuff earlier in the game, when things were going badly for the Hawks in the first half, uh, the Celtics went with Smart at point guard, Kyrie off the floor, and the Hawks didn't really have anywhere. It was a big lineup, so the Hawks didn't have anywhere to put Trae Young defensively, except on Marcus Smart, and, you know, the Hawks... Gave up quite a bit to the Celtics uh, defensively, with the Celtics on offense uh, and Marcus Smart running things from down in the post. So you know he he'd try to post up Trey, uh, but not necessarily always looking to score. Uh, On some of those times, you know it was just a matter of him taking Trey down in the post, eventually getting the ball fed to him, and then as soon as the help defense reacted. He was putting the ball in the right places, and uh, you know it—it it gave the the Celtics like a, a 7-0 run just going through that kind of offense uh, midway through the second half, a second quarter when things were going badly for the Hawks, and it prompted a timeout from Lloyd Pierce. So that was that was kind of an important stretch in the game where things got a little bit out of hand for the Hawks, and of course that's not to say that Trey Young had a bad game. Trey Trey Young had an amazing game. Uh, 26 points on 10 of 17 shooting, he made 5 of 8 threes, which we'll get back to in a minute, Uh, 4 assists and 6 turnovers, which seems like a bad ratio, but I think you have to keep in mind that uh, in a game like this where the Celtics do a lot of switching, it's going to be harder for Trey Young to get those assist totals because it it turns it into a one-on-one game. Um, You know, he, he can't get going as much downhill when they're switching. It's a matter of him shooting. It's a matter of him, you know, tilting the defense a little bit and getting off the ball for somebody else to make a play. And that person may be the one who gets the assist. Um, so you know, I think that's a little bit misleading, although you, you wouldn't you know, some of the turnovers were bad. There was one uh, there was one late where I think it was right after the, the Hawks tied it where Marcus Smart picked him clean. And so that was, that was a pivotal turnover that really, you know you can't have. but still, overall, uh, in terms of the shooting, in terms of just being competitive, I, I thought we saw a very feisty game uh, from Trae on uh, four rebounds, which is about the norm for him these days. And uh, with the five of eight threes, he's actually tied Luka Doncic in terms of three-point percentage. They're both at 33.9% for the season. And there were many Dallas people in my mentions saying, that's not what decided the rookie of the year race, but, you know, nationally, if you saw what was being said about Trey Young in November and early December when he was in the shooting slump, it was Trey Young can't shoot. Well, Trey Young can shoot, uh, and you know, Luca would be a perfectly fine Rookie of the Year candidate. Uh, you know, but so is Trey Young. I mean, it's it's really neck and neck. It's going to be interesting to see uh, who pulls away with this in the end. But it's it's no longer. Uh, <laughs> Just about to shoot him because I think Trey young is about to has pulled even and I think he's about to pull past him probably by the end of the year you'll see that that Trey young has a better three point percentage speaking of the rookie of the year race I asked Kyrie what he thought about Trey young and one of the things he mentioned was the rookie of the year race you finished playing the season series with Atlanta what are your impressions of Trey young at the end of his rookie season
2: i mean I'm, I'm in. Yeah, I'm, I'm greatly impressed, um, you know, just to see his evolution from, you know, uh, was October all the way till now, um, you know, he, he's definitely, uh, you know, in contention with uh, Luka 4, uh, you know, Rookie of the Year, and, uh, you know, this is probably the, one of the closest, might be one of the closest races in a, in a little while, um, just for how successful those guys have been, um, but he's just been growing and maturing, and uh, they're, you know, coached. Uh, it's putting him in, in a great position to be successful, coming off those double drags. I mean, John Collins have a great, great friendship, um, as you can see, uh, on the court and off the court. And uh, it's just great to see young guys like that develop um, coming in and kind of proving everybody wrong. You know, his first year, you know, first in October, I was like, he's too small to play. He's this, he's that. And now it's like, oh, well, he's actually a great, he's going to, he actually has potential to be a special player in the season. So, I'm excited to go against them for the next, you know, however many years we go against each other.
1: You faced the Aaron Fox the other night, and Alex, right? Does it excite you when these young point guards come at you when you're the guy or you're one of the guys that you look at and go, like you when you were younger, you probably went at Chris Paul and some of those guys when you went to the league. Does yeah. it excite you to be that, that kind of guy that they go after?
2: Absolutely. And it makes it fun. I mean, it goes out there it makes it worth it, you know, <laughs> going out there and playing against those guys because, um, obviously, it's a challenge for them. Um, you know, obviously, they see me in a, in a certain light. I see them. I, I've been watching those guys for a while, but to have that type of competitive spirit, um, you know, I love it. It's just competition all in one. I, I grew up around that type of stuff. So if somebody scores on me, please believe I'm going right back at them. So, um, you know, it, it's just um, as you grow and, and you, know, you go from different levels, high school to college to the NBA. Now everybody's on an even playing field, and you got to show um, why you're here. So, Who some of the
1: players you used to uh, get excited for as working Point
2: guard wise, matchup wise. Well, I mean, my year was uh, my years were coming in were a lot uh, a lot more unique just because um, Steph was ascending, Russ was ascending. Those guys were you know making finals, uh, just now getting the development with their teams. You know, Clay went to Golden State to be drafted, and the point guard role just started to evolve. John went number one. I went number one. Um, so it was very very competitive um, in terms of who was going to come out the best of you know, top five point guards is always switched, you know, and then CP was leading that group at, for a minute, so it was Darren, and then, you know, it just it starts to shift as we all get older, and, um, you know, the young guys are coming from my spot, and I'm watching them as well, just like I was coming from CP. You know, CP was my favorite player for I came into the league, so seeing him work and do, um, you know, great things on, on the floor was special for me, and then going against him was even more special, um, you know, but like I said, and then coming to league, you got people like Jose Calderon. Bust my ass the first time I came into the league. league. I still can't believe that shit. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, <heard him> <laughs> like, I still, like, I just couldn't believe it. He gave me 22 and, like, 14. I'm like, Jose Calderon? Like, but he was, you know, around that time in 2011, and for Toronto, he was a great piece for them. Um, you know, and, and I held on to that, and every time I see him, it's to his day. Like, I'm still going at him. So... Um, you know, you, you try to spark motivation in guys when you go against them, and you know, like coming up in Denver um, on on, uh, on Monday, I haven't forgotten um, you know what uh, we did up in Denver, and it's going to be a great competitive game. I'm looking forward to
0: that. Uh, so you heard Kyrie there talking about the rookie of the young race. I think he's he's given Trey Young equal odds at this point. It's a two man race, and I think Kyrie's saying there that it's it's too close to call. Uh, you also heard that. He said that Trey's been fantastic coming off those double drag screens. Uh, Go read my Dwayne Dedman story for this week, (laughs) right? I mean, it's Trey Young, it's John Collins, but it's also many, many times Dwayne Dedman in there doing the good work with them. Uh, Dwayne had, you know, to be blunt, Dwayne had an off night tonight. Uh, There were times where, uh, you know, doing that double drag screen action, what the Celtics were giving up was, was... Deadman open at the three-point line. And there were other situations where, you know, the thing that the Celtics were really going to give up there was Dedman shooting from three. And he just didn't make the shots today. Uh, Deadman played 30 minutes, made two of 10 shots, was 0-5 from three. Uh, but he competed. Three steals, 13 rebounds. You know, Dwayne Debman's a great player, and he had a bad shooting night. So Boston wins. Atlanta gave uh, a good fight, and, it, and they didn't win. But it, it's exciting to see the Hawks compete with a team like Boston. Uh, they just, you know, they miss some shots. And go read my Dwayne Dedman story. <laughs> uh, moving on, and again I apologize for the audio quality. The uh, Part of the reason for the early matinee in this game was that the, the Bruins are playing tonight, so all around me is the hustle and bustle to get ready for a hockey game. And with the early tip, Lloyd Pierce was asked some questions about how to start games, and... (laughs) Okay, it's officially crazy in here. Uh, But Lloyd Pierce was saying, you know, one of the things that was happening to the Hawks early in the season was, you know, a couple of months into the season, they looked at how the first six minutes of the game were going. And the Hawks were routinely getting buried in the first six minutes, and that they were the league-worst team... uh, you know, cumulative point total, like minus 150 for the first six minutes of games. He said that became a point of emphasis, and they got better at it. And then today, uh, not a rousing start, but kind of a little bit of a lagging start for the Hawks in this one. Uh, But then it was really when the bench came in in the first half that things got a little bit ugly. Uh, And of course, you know, in a flip and a turn of events, it was the bench that got them back in it. So you win some, you lose some there. I thought it was interesting that for the beginning bench unit in the second half, the Hawks for a couple of minutes went to a no point guard lineup where I think it was, uh, I think it was Bembry, Prince, and Herter, and we saw a lot of the ball in Herter's hands at that point, which is interesting, you know, from talking to Pierce yesterday about exactly that. Uh, If you go back to our last episode, you can. You can hear Pierce talking about exactly that topic. Herter almost made the play that could have possibly won the Hawks the game. Uh, after they came back to tie and fell back a little bit again, Herter hit a three, stole something of a lazy inbounds pass from the Celtics, and was poised for the layup, but the, the Celtics closed it down pretty fast. Uh, somebody got a rebound. I think it was Collins, and and that one was missed too. So it's the tiniest little things that decide the course of what seems like a big margin at nine points, but was a very close game at the end. I also caught up with Kent Bazemore, who was part of the comeback. Uh, After the game, I wanted his thoughts on the comeback, but also, you know, playing Boston today, and with Bazemore having been a part of a number of Eastern Conference playoff battles over the years, I wanted to know what he thought of the Eastern Conference this year. Of course, especially given the fact that the last eight years have uh, belonged to LeBron James in the Eastern Conference, and he isn't here. So we're about to get a pretty compelling playoff run between Milwaukee and Toronto and Indiana, Philadelphia, and the very same Boston team that the Hawks play today. It's about to be an interesting race, and I wanted to know what Bazemore thought about it. It was working well for, for that comeback there in the second half. Uh, I think defensively we ramped up by the
1: pressure, man. Uh, we, we talked a lot out there and um, rebounded rebounding the ball and we just got out of ran. Uh, and, uh, moved him around offensively and we got, got some easy looks. Uh, you know, obviously Vince was was good for us you know, making some, some big threes and what, uh, you know, just all around effort. Alex Lynn and you know, Ben being seven feet tall just Use the size out there so you know, collective effort. Uh plus five guys out there and you know, we just kinda when we were down twenty, we just wanted to go out there and kind of
0: uh, you know just play the right way
1: and whatever happens happens.
0: I know you still got some games coming up, but you know, for, for what, eight years now it's been LeBron on the Eastern Conference. Right. Right. Now it's these guys that you play today, right. Philadelphia, Milwaukee. Right. What do you what do you think about this race? Um who looks good to you? Um
1: Obviously, Milwaukee, uh, you can't overlook them with the year uh, Giannis is having and uh, Chris Middleton as well. And you know, some pieces they got late in the year uh, Miritich and uh, um Obviously, Boston's super, super talented. And, and Philly, talented. I mean, it's, it's wide open. It's all just you know, who who comes to play. I, mean, I remember watching the finals the two years in a row when it was the Heat Spurs. And, one year, Manu had a really, really great series, and the next year, uh, you know, he didn't. So was that went, one? Of, was one of those years the year that Danny Green went crazy? Yep. yep, yep. <laughs> um, and then you know, Manu and D Wade had you know flip flop series. Like one year, one yep. guy played really well, and the next year, they guy, got busy. So um, you know, it's just all crazy, You know, who's ready for that moment. And, you know, I think the pressure of you know, of it being wide open may shake things up, may cause guys to press a little bit, may, you know, so you never know. Um, but it'll be fun to watch. I'll definitely be tuned in in the Eastern Conference, you know. Since this, is my, this is my, you know, conference home, so I'm going to try to see uh, you know, how guys react and how teams, you know, do down the stretch. Thank you.
0: All right, that's it for ATL on 29 today. I think of... Uh recorded in poor quality enough and butchered your sound systems and your (laughs) eardrums. I think I've done enough of that for today. So, uh, as always, subscribe, rate, review. I mean that as actual things and not just catchphrases. If you could do that, I would really, really appreciate it. And uh, we'll try to catch up with you again soon. Thanks for listening.